Welcome to No Sanity Required. We're going to talk uh, today, it's going to be another episode about biblical manhood. And the reason we're going to do that is because it's something that we constantly get requests for, uh, the feedback we get when we when we do these. Anything, I think I've, I've told you all this before, but when we talk about parenting, marriage, or biblical manhood, seems like those are the episodes that get shared the most, get talked about the most. So we're going to do we're going to do two episodes here, back to back episodes on biblical manhood. Did that a while back in season three, uh, ran ran several weeks of that, and we're, so we're going to do a couple episodes for sure. Um, and I want to start today uh, by looking at the life of Joshua, and the reason that that's fresh on my mind is we just came out of our our fall be strong conference, and we taught on. All the teaching focus was on the, the the life and leadership of Joshua, and I did a sermon on that Friday night called Joshua: A Profile in Courage. And then I recently had the opportunity to preach and share that same text and most of that same sermon content at Vertical Church, Galpolis, Ohio. Shout out to those guys, my new friends up there, brothers um, Dustin and Jamie and Leroy. Um, pastor up there, John Mollahan, uh, awesome group of dudes. Met them at a men's conference last uh, spring that I was uh, able to preach and teach at. And um, those guys came down to be strong. And then um, I went up and shared uh, at, at that church a week or two ago. Love meeting new brothers and guys that are from the same tribe, same mindset. This is not a podcast for men. This is for men, women, boys, girls, teenagers, whatever. But, um, you know, it, it, we, we, we want to cover theological issues, cultural issues. We talk about the Bible. We unpack passages of Scripture. One of the things that we will always come back to is marriage, family, and manhood. And um, so, the, and, and womanhood, um, the, the roles that God has laid out for us. And we do take a, a very complementarian approach to that. And if you don't know what that means, you do your own digging. And we will, this season, do an episode on complementarianism. So anyhow, uh, I'm, I'm excited to bring this content to you today and again next week. And I hope you, you, you find it helpful and that you'll share it with men in your life and it'll be super uh, helpful and, um, and maybe, maybe edifying, maybe encouraging. Don't use it to beat somebody up and shame them or tell them, see, I told you so you're not doing it right or anything. It's not meant to be like that. This is just simply looking into scripture and and uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a look at Joshua, and then we're gonna take a look at Paul's instruction to Timothy. Um, so today we'll be talking about the life of Joshua, particularly an introduction to Joshua, and how we see in him a profile in courage. We kind of see what courage looks like, courage lived out and even defined. And the next week we're gonna look at four things that define a man of God. That's laid out in Paul's instruction to Timothy for defining characteristics of a man of God. So looking forward to it. Hope it's helpful. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Welcome to No Sanity Required from the ministry of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a podcast about the Bible, culture, and stories from around the globe. We recently had uh, the opportunity to teach through several passages in in the book and the life of Joshua. And you guys that have been to a Be Strong event here or you ladies that have been to a, a Respond conference, if you've been to any kind of a, a retreat at Snowbird, you know that one of the big struggles we have is, gosh, man, there's so little time. Have a little more time in the summer, but you take a men's event or a women's event, you know, 
people are busy, life is crazy. So folks roll in on a Friday evening, um, and we and they're rolling out on Sunday morning. We get about four main sessions, and then we'll have some breakout sessions and some some extra stuff. But it's just packed full, man. It's like drinking from a fire hydrant. And you take take a book like the Book of Joshua. It's such a it's such a deep like like it covers such a large swath of history and if you look at joshua's life and you go back to before the book of joshua starts because it picks up when the dude's like older you know he's probably 80 years old at this point um you go back to the story of the exodus out of egypt and we pick joshua up as a 40 year old dude where he spies out the land of canaan and um, the one thing, you know, there's a, there, there's a few things that I, I find to be true about Joshua, the more I've studied him, that I think resonate with a lot of us. You know, the, the all these profiles that we've done, these behind the flannel graph looks at different biblical characters and narratives, I think there's always something we can learn and apply in our own lives. So, you know, we look, when we've studied David or Daniel, um, Joseph, we look at these stories, recently did a, a, a a deep dive on Jonah. Um, there's, uh, there are things that you can identify with. There's things that we identify with. And I love that because I feel connected to the scriptures that way. I don't ever want to, I don't ever want to just think of the word of God as if I don't feel, if I don't feel like I can identify with these characters then it's not practical for me. Um, but at the same time, when I can identify with, when, when it's possible for me to identify in such a real way with the character, um, then it's helpful in applying the scripture to my life. So, you know, most people in the New Testament identify with Peter. You know, Peter's always putting his foot in his mouth, and he's a man of crazy, extreme, great faith one moment, and then he's just acting a little bit like a buffoon the next moment, you know. And um, I don't know what he's like. You know, you, maybe maybe your view of Peter is the guy that plays him in The Chosen, or maybe your view of Peter is um, is something that's come from your own study and imagination. I've got sort of uh I've got sort of a picture in my mind of who Peter is and what he looks like and um and I think he's I think he's a smart dude. I think he's a hard charge. I think he's a guy. The reason I think I, I, I identify with Peter and a lot of people do is because we're we're emotional. We, we we love what we love. We're passionate about what we're passionate about. We get fired up and go to extremes and and uh Peter's that kind of guy. Well, if Peter's the kind of guy that goes to extremes and is intense and emotional and, and, and visceral and cerebral all at once, sometimes he's thinking, sometimes he's doing, sometimes those don't overlap well, and he and he gets ahead of himself. Joshua, uh, to do a profile, uh, to do a study in Joshua of Joshua, like I'm calling this a profile in courage, to look at Joshua, he shows us what a person looks like that I think a lot of us can identify with who are wired much more, how do I say this? Um, I almost think that Joshua was a person that was, that, that was not real dynamic. He was not real excitable. He wasn't like this, this wild out of the box personality. I think he was a, I think he was a pretty subdued guy. And I get that from reading through and, and studying just his faithfulness, how the Lord used him. So I think a lot of people identify with Joshua. So what I want to do today is, first few minutes, um, just give you a quick background sketch of who this guy is, and then give you five things that we can learn from him as it relates to being courageous as men and women. So let's just uh, let's just walk through this. 
quick background, kind of a character sketch of who this guy is, and then five, I think, practical things that will give us courage. Again, as men, women, teenagers, young men, young women, as much as anybody need courage to go to school, to take a stand, to live for Jesus. Um, yeah, so let's uh, let's dive into this. So quick little, little background on Joshua. Joshua would, would have been born into slavery. He had been born at a time where, you know, uh, Israel spent four centuries in Egypt growing as a nation. So like when Israel, this has got to be the only nation that this is true of in history. It might be a fun dive into the study of, of nations and throughout history, but like literally it's a family that goes into Egypt and settles in a particular district called Goshen. It's a, it's a, it's the grandfather Jacob, his twelve sons, their sons and daughters. It's about seventy or eighty people, and then four hundred years later, they've gone from being this um, family group that lives kind of out in a remote region in the countryside, raising livestock, to they become so numerous that the Egyptian government decides to. Uh, sort of put them on a reservation, and then from there it goes into full-on slavery because there's so many of them. They're like, well, let's turn these people into our workforce. Um, so, you know, they're, they're afraid that this nation of people now that's growing within the nation of Egypt is going to overthrow Egypt because they're growing so fast. They're so powerful. So, they, you know, they implement they implement this plan to kill, okay, think about this. They implement a, a plan to kill every little boy that's born. Um, so, you know, the rule is, okay, every time a, a, a woman gives birth to a child, we will kill that child and then we'll only allow the females to stay. So little boys will be killed, little girls will get to live, and then they'll take those little girls and, and then they'll they'll either, you know, bring them into – marriages with Egyptian dudes or they'll become servants and slaves or whatever, but let's get rid of all the boys and that'll stop production of this race of people. So it was like, you know, it was, it was a Holocaust essentially um, where they're going to kill all those little boys. I mean, it's basically what's happening in our country and, but with a different you know motive where, you know, when you look at the abortion epidemic and you think how many little boys and little girls both have died. I mean, it's in the tens of millions 50, 60, I don't know, million. So it's, it's holocaustic, you know, it's, it's this type of thing where you're trying to eradicate a, a race of people and then absorb them into another race. So it's, it's kind of interesting, even from the study of anthropology, like how people groups work. And anyway, I'm about to digress there. So the, 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 the point being Moses is born into this and Moses is inspired from this and his story is fascinating. And then, uh, when Moses is 40 years old, he leaves Egypt um, and goes into this remote wilderness area and spends 40 years there. And that would have been the time frame in which Joshua would have been born. And then Moses comes back as an 80-year-old man, leads an, an uprising of the Israelite people who now have spent centuries in slavery and he takes them and they leave Egypt in a in a complete 
if not a coup, it's a, it's a, it's, it's an interesting thing. It's a, it's just an exit. They just leave. Like, no, we're going to go all hundreds and hundreds of thousands of us. We're going to leave. And when they leave, they leave Egypt pretty devastated because of the spiritual war that's turned to a physical war that Yahweh has waged against Egypt. Yahweh breaks the back of Egypt and the Israelites leave Egypt and they travel north to go up to this one region called Canaan that God has promised to be their land. Well, Joshua at this point would have been probably about 40 years old. And so when they leave Egypt, something I think that's interesting to note is in Numbers chapter 2, verse 18, the leader of the tribe that Joshua is a part of is listed, and that is Joshua's grandfather. So that's interesting. Joshua's grandfather is the leader of the tribe of Ephraim, or Ephraim. I think you say Ephraim. That's the way I say it. I don't know. I might be saying that wrong. That's the way I say it. But that that cat, uh, hold on, let's see. I'm forgetting his name right now. Give me a second here. Elishama was his dad, and he was the son of uh, Amihud. And they were the tribal. So Joshua's dad and granddad were the tribal leaders of, of Ephraim, which would have been 40,000 people. That's crazy. 40,000 troops. So 40,000 troops, 40,000 men, fighting age males, were led by Joshua's dad and granddad. So Joshua's a third generation dude, you know, as far as, like he grew up influenced by men who were the tribal leaders of a powerful tribe. And one of the things that stands out to me, I think it was Kent Hughes that talked about this in a commentary, but Joshua may very well have been responsible for carrying the the mummy of Joseph, who had been the second in command in Egypt. And when Joseph died 400 years prior to this, he said, hey, when, when you leave this country, when you leave Egypt, take my bones with you to the land of promise. So they would have been carrying Joseph's mummy. And Joshua, so Joshua's, you know, got this father and his grandfather who were leaders among leaders and then they're tasked with carrying the body of joseph into the land of promise pretty pretty cool and then the as they as they go on that exodus journey that turns from you know a short journey into a 40-year wandering there's so much that develops in the dynamic between joshua and moses the first thing being joshua and caleb were the two men that believed Israel could overthrow the people in the land of Canaan, um, which did not happen because the other 10 spies that went in to check Canaan out came back and said, no, there's no way we can win this battle. They're, they're win a war against these people. So they end up spending, they end up spending 40 years in the wilderness as punishment from God, because 10 of the 12 spies said, no, we can't, we can't overthrow the people of this land. And the people believed the 10 rather than the two. Well, Joshua was one of the two that said, no, Yahweh will give these people into our hands. By the way, uh, if you trip up over why were the Canaanites going to be punished and killed and driven out of that land, God told Abraham that he was going to give them 400 years to repent and that when the time of their iniquity came to fulfillment, that then he would bring judgment. So he gave them a long time to get it right and to apologize, and they didn't do it. So, um so anyhow, Joshua was a leader at a time when no one was on his side. I mean, Joshua and Caleb wanted wanted to go, you know, told Moses, "Let's go conquer this land." This is a this is a young man, Joshua, 40-year-old dude. And 
the people the people turned on him. And so for the next forty years, Joshua is just sort of like this this designated general who's going to lead Israel in the future. But for the time being, they're just wandering in the wilderness, and he becomes Moses' right hand man. And he and 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 so you know early on that he's a man of courage from the men that have raised him, and then what we see in him spying out the land of Canaan as a young man saying, let's go overthrow these people. Um, you see evidence of that courage. And then he's deeply impacted by the relationship that Moses had with the Lord because you, there are these scenes where Moses and, and Yahweh would be communicating with each other. And the Bible says that God and God would speak to Moses as a man speaks with a friend. And, and Joshua will be so shaken up by that to be in the presence of that. It, it, it shook him and it motivated motivated him. And then ultimately in the end, Moses commissions Joshua to be the one who would lead the people into the promised land after 40 years of apprenticeship. So I think there's a characteristic there where we go, okay, Joshua was the kind of guy that doesn't need credit. He was willing to be second in command for four decades. By the time he takes leadership of Israel, he's 80 years old. Moses dies. The Lord takes Moses. Um, and it says that, at that time in Exodus 34, at the time of Moses' death, it says that Joshua was a man full of the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So he's got this spirit of wisdom. So he's wise. He's courageous. He's, and I think one of the points of, of, of being a courageous person is true courage is not ignorant. This is a man of wisdom. You go back, you know, you could use the example of the men that led the American Revolution were educated, they were wise, they were entrepreneurs, they were businessmen, they had made lots of money, they had been, I mean, they had they had crazy stories. Many of them, you take a guy like Thomas Jefferson, the University of Virginia founded basically by this man, and if I'm not getting that detail right, then I know he was at least very influential. Um, you know, the Ivy League schools, um, were were the schools where a lot of these guys were educated. These were men of wisdom, and ultimately they were men of courage. So courage is not a synonym with ignorance. You're not just like, well, I, you know, I have courage. I don't know, I don't know what's going on, but I know I'll have the will to fight. No, courage requires wisdom if it's going to be the right kind of courage. And Joshua was full of the spirit of wisdom. And then the, the, the one other thing I'll say about Joshua, as he takes, as he takes the helm of, of Israel's, you know, conquest of Canaan, he becomes the general and the, the first judge over Israel and, and the first succession from Moses is that, again, I don't think he's a real dynamic personality. Other than his speech in Joshua 24, you don't see a lot of charisma and dynamics, you know. So anyway, that's a lot. That's 20 minutes probably of, that we've already talked about just who this guy is. And I hope I haven't lost you, but let me give you, let me give you these five things. The rest of our time, let me give you these five things that I think we learned from Joshua, five things that you can implement. So this week as a man or a woman, and maybe you've skipped ahead to this point, um, you've skipped ahead. You look, you know, you've, you've just jumped ahead. To, let's give me the practical. I don't need a history lesson. Give me the practical. Okay, here it comes. Here's the practical. There's five things that we learned from Joshua. Number one, courage comes from a right fear of the Lord. Joshua was a man who, who displayed a fear of the Lord. He lived in fear, a right fear of the Lord. So courage comes from a right fear of the Lord. Now, what is a right fear of the Lord? 
I always tell the story when I'm trying to explain to students what it is to fear the Lord. I always tell the story, and I've told it here before, I, I would imagine. Um, but I remember when my oldest daughter was was young. She was maybe 12 years old. And I remember we were we were walking through. We were actually in Raleigh. We were in Raleigh, North Carolina. Raleigh's not a big city. I mean, it's a big city compared to where I live. But, you know, it's not a big city compared to Chicago or New York or Houston or L.A., um, I sound like James Brown singing living in America just then. <laughs> um, some of you get that, get that joke. Um, but Raleigh's a big city for me, you know, country boy, mountain boy. And so, uh, and, and for, for my 12 year old daughter at the time it was, and I remember we had walked, we'd gone for a walk. We were at a conference and a uh, conference ended and they, you know, we, we'd gone for a walk to go get some, some food and heard about a good barbecue place. We'd walked, you know, several blocks. So it, it was getting dark. We're walking back and we walked past. It was an old, some kind of auto manufacturing warehouse, maybe car parts or something, but it was like this old warehouse and it's, it's shut down. And uh, I said, Kilby, have you ever heard this say, and I'd hate to run into him in a dark alley. And she's like, yeah, I've heard that. And like, well, look, there's an alleyway that goes down behind this old built, this old warehouse on the side of, you know, here we were, we were on it. I don't remember where we were in, in downtown Raleigh, but it was just this old building. So I said, let's walk down this alleyway and, and, and see what the big deal is. What's in a dark alley that nobody wants to run into. Let's just go see. So we walked down, you know, she's like, just, you know, trusting me. And so here we go. So we walked down through there and there was a couple of dumpsters, like an old roll off. I think they were gutting this building and then I'm sure now it's probably been repurposed you know some kind of hipster cool coffee shop and indoor market and who knows what all but at the time it was some old roll-off dumpsters a bunch of graffiti or something you know something out of a movie a ninja turtles movie or something and i said okay what would you do right now if somebody came out from behind the dumpsters and let's say they had like knives and chains and clubs and they were gonna mug us and she said i'd get behind you i was like all right that's a smart girl and she said anyway you got a gun, so if they bring in knives and sticks and clubs to 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 the fight, then it ain't gonna go good for them. <laughs> she knew I was carrying, you know, and so I said, "Why would you get behind me?" Other than the obvious, you know, and I was trying to get her to say because you know I'd, I'd, I'd be safe, I'd be protected, I I trust you. So then from there, I said, "Do you?" Let me ask you something. So turn this into a teaching moment, and I said, "Do you have a fear of me?" She said, "No, sir, I don't. I'm not afraid of you." I said, are you scared of me? She said, no, I'm not scared of you. And then I, I painted a scenario. I said, what if, what if, uh, what if I walked in the kitchen and just as I walked in the kitchen, you were slapping your mama in the face and then you made eye contact with me. Now, would you be scared of me? And she said, uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I said, that's right. You would, but that's a good fear. And so we started to talk about what is a good fear? What's a healthy fear? And then we, we began to relay that to the Lord. And here's the definition, the working practical definition of good or healthy fear in, in a relationship. It, it was a healthy fear of the Lord drives me toward the presence of the Lord, not away from it. So you take, you know, you take, and, and like go back to the garden where Adam in the garden uh, runs away from the Lord and hides after he's sinned. Well, it's a fear of the Lord. It's opening him up to understanding the consequences and repercussions of his actions. But in a healthy relationship, we fear the Lord, but we run to him. 
So ultimately, David, after he is confronted with his sin of adultery and murder, he runs into the presence of the Lord, seeking reconciliation, repentance, restoration. So I think that's a good working working uh, definition of what it is to fear the Lord. So you know, back to that conversation with my daughter, I'm like, you want to be close to me because you have a healthy fear of me and a healthy fear. You know that the safest place is to be with me in any given situation as your father and your protector, you know? So Joshua teaches that courage comes from a right fear of the Lord. I would encourage you to walk in a fear of the Lord as a man of God, fear the Lord as a woman of God, fear the Lord as a teenager in your first dating relationship, fear the Lord. I'm not talking about legalism, not talking about standing fear of condemnation. Romans eight, one says there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, but fear the Lord live in a walk and live in a, in a right fear of the Lord recognizing that God is holy and that he is just and that he cannot sin and will not have fellowship with sin and fear the Lord and let that fear drive you into his presence and obedience to him. Number two, courage comes from God's calling and commissioning of Joshua. Joshua chapter one, verses one and two, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I'm giving them. So God commissioned Joshua. Now, God commissions him to do three things. He says, you're going to lead the people into the land, you're going to defeat the enemy, and you're going to claim the inheritance. So God is choosing to use Joshua as a leader to do this. God didn't need Joshua, but he chose to empower him to get the, the job done, which which I think is an awesome reminder that God chooses to use us. You know, I think it's worth asking yourself, what are the things God has commissioned me for? What, 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 how often do I reassess where I am in life? Am I setting goals that God is driving me, leading me, pushing me towards? What, what, what does God want for me? What is this calling on my life? What are the things God's given me a passion for and how might that, that, you know, be exercised to bring about, you know, a, a work that is, the Lord's work. So courage comes from God's calling and commissioning. When you know God's called you into this marriage, God's called you into this ministry, God's called you into this pursuit of this particular degree, God's called you into the medical profession or law enforcement or the trades. When you know you're under the calling of God, it it's going to motivate you and give you courage. I know that God called me to start to be a part of the team that started Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters. And I can remember even in the earliest days, there was courage that came from that. I wasn't scared to live in an old cabin with no running water for, you know, several years, little and I. She wasn't afraid of that. We knew God's call on our life. I wasn't afraid to get dirty and work 14-hour days clearing the land and, you know, and digging creek rock to use for landscaping and cutting locust trees and hand splitting them to, to, to build locust rails and, and selling, you know, selling those things for for grocery money. I wasn't scared to, to, to work a day or two a week outside to make just enough money to get by that. I don't even know that it required courage. It was that I knew God's commission and calling. And I can remember that. And and to this day, that that's what motivates and drives me as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as a ministry leader, as a CEO of snowbird, it's, it's wreck. And when, when I'm struggling and my courage is failing, and it does. It happens to all of us. You lose courage. You lose heart for the fight. You lose zeal or 
or focus. Just come back to what has God commissioned and called me to do? What's God's calling on my life as a man, as a woman, as whoever you are? Courage to complete the call God has given lies in recognizing that it is God who has given the call for your life. So recognize the call that God's got on your life, whatever that is. God, we have wealthy men and women that listen to this podcast. You're, you're, you, you, God has given you physical, financial, earthly wealth. That's probably part of His call and commission for you. He's, he's, you know, there, there are. There are donors that make Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters a reality by their faithful contributions. I would never name those people here. They would be mortified if I did that. But then also it's 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 between them and the Lord, and, and we get to reap the benefit of that and the way that this kingdom work goes forward. What's God has commissioned and called many of those people to work in the secular workplace, the public square, and then use the, the financial gifts because people don't get rich in ministry. Like like nobody at Snowbird's going to be wealthy. So we need people that God has commissioned to do vocational work and make a lot of money to then support the ministry. I hope I'm making sense with that. And some people God called, you know, let's say you're called into education to be a school teacher, administrator, principal or you're called into law enforcement. God's called you into that. You're not going to get wealthy doing that, but God's called you into that to to have gospel presence in a sphere of influ- influence in that world, you know. So, number three, courage comes from God's promises. Let's keep reading. Next few verses, Joshua says, or Joshua records, this is the words of Yahweh. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you, from the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. So number three, courage comes from God's promises. So in those verses we just read, let me give you, there's uh, four promises that the Lord gives uh, Joshua here. The first one is he promises Joshua that you will enter this land. Like like the, the, I think this is an important promise because Joshua has just spent four decades. <laughs> four decades not entering the land. But tell you people, a lot of times God don't work on our timeline. 40 years. Moses was in the wilderness 40 years between fleeing Egypt and having the burning bush experience of Exodus chapter 3. God don't work, you know, God's God's plans typically don't work in a microwave. Stuff don't happen overnight. God's made a promise to Joshua, you're going to enter the land. It's been 40 years. And he's like, this is going to happen. And then he promises him in verse five, victory over the enemy. And with that victory over the enemy, he promises that he won't leave him or forsake him. So he's like, I'm going to be with you. You're going to, you're going to have victory and I'm going to be there with you, driving you forward, strengthening you. And then he also, as, as a detail in verse six, he says, he gives him the promise that the land will be divided among the tribes as their inheritance. So he's going to give, you know, he's going to give everyone their allotment of the land, um, and I think it's it's so good that you know we can be reminded that God calls us to what He calls us to, but then 
he doesn't send us alone. He goes with us through it. So recap, first three things. Courage comes from a right fear of the Lord. Courage comes from God's calling and commissioning. Courage comes from God's promises. And we could apply, what are the promises of God to us? Well, in the New Testament, the Word of God's full of God's promises. In the Old and New Testaments, His mercies are new every day. We're promised adoption. We're promised sonship. We're promised a, 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 like a future with the Lord. We're promised eternal life. We're promised peace in the midst of trials or storms. We're promised hope in the midst of calamity. So there's promises for us as believers. We're promised that we're loved. We're promised that we won't come under condemnation. Number four, courage comes from the power of the word of God at work in our lives. This is interesting to me, something that jumped out at me in this study, but this would have been the first person in history who had a copy of the scripture to live his life by. Because see, Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. That's what smart people tell us. You know, theologians and historians will tell us that Moses recorded, you know, a lot of people refer will refer to Genesis through um, at least parts of the first five books of the Bible as the Mosaic, but it's the Pentateuch. It's the first, it's the books of the law and early history, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. God told Moses to write all this stuff down. And here he tells um, Joshua to read it and obey it. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you'll be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. So he tells him to meditate on the scripture. He tells him to obey the scripture. He tells him to talk about the scripture and then to teach the scripture. That's for all of us now. Courage is going to come to you from the power of the word of God at work in your life. Meditating on the scripture is the idea that the word of God becomes the background noise of my life. When trial comes in, when temptation comes in, when I'm struggling with an attitude or a a fear or an anxiety, an anxiousness, when I'm dealing with apathy, I should be able to turn up the volume of of the word of God in my life so that it drowns out the noise that the world is providing. And then um, obeying scripture is is something that he instructs him to do. So you meditate on it. So you understand it and it becomes sort of the background noise of, of my thought life. And then I, I, I obey it. I, when I study the scripture, I say, okay, what is there here for me to obey? And then to teach it. If, if you're a parent to teach it to your children. And even if you're not a parent or even, if, whether you are or aren't, um, we're to, it, mentoring and investing in younger believers or younger Christians. Um, and then have conversation about scripture. We did this uh, literally as I'm recording this last night, I sat with several members of our team and it wasn't a planned meeting. It was just a social casual hangout at camp. We got, we've had a group, uh, a Christian school group here and we're having this conversation about heaven and death and the afterlife and first Corinthians 15. Cause that's what we're going to be talking on in the fall retreat. It just turned into this really cool conversation where we're talking about scripture. So courage comes from the power of the word of God at work in your lives. There's a lot of scripture written about that. Deuteronomy 6, um, James talks about the power of the word of God. Hebrews 4, it's a double-edged sword. Um, uh, Ephesians 5, the sword of spirit is the word of God. So God's word is critical for our lives. And I think here's what jumped out to me that was interesting that I'd never thought about. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, 
Those guys, they lived their lives by the word of God, but it was by God's visions and instruction and dreams, and but they didn't have a copy of Scripture. Well, Moses did once he wrote it down. But Joshua was the first person in history to be given a copy of the Scriptures, and those Scriptures would have been the first five books of the Old Testament is what I'm, I think. And so and God says, here's the roadmap for life. Here, here it is. Here's the playbook. Here's the playbook. Here's the roadmap. Here's instruction for your life. Read this. Meditate on it. Look, if you're going to, people, if you're going to take one thing, take that fourth point. Number four, courage comes from the power of the word of God at work in our lives. Meditate on scripture. Obey scripture. Teach scripture. Talk about scripture. Listen to me. Don't just do a little devotional. Listen to your little, you know, four-minute devotional. Read your Our Daily Bread devotional and be done with it. And hear me out. I love it. I love the Our Daily Bread devotional. I love those little day-to-day devotionals. I'm trying to write one right now. They're good. And they have a place. Every morning uh, on a school day, like Monday through Friday, every morning in my home, I read the Our Daily Bread devotional out loud to our to our kids before they head out the door. I believe in it. I love it. But there is every believer has to become a reader, a hearer, a student of the Word of God, meditating on Scripture, obeying Scripture, teaching Scripture, talking about Scripture. It needs to be the noise and the rhythm and the and the hum of my life, but it needs to be a soothing noise. And maybe sometimes it's a conflicting noise that disrupts my conscience, but the Word of God stabilized Joshua so that at the end of his life he could look back and say, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. It's because the steadiness of the word of God that comes out of that instruction in, in verses seven and eight. And number five and number final, um, we'll wrap it up here. Courage comes from God's presence in our lives. So the presence of the Lord, over and over in this text, and it ends there in verse nine, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God promised his presence to Joshua and he did not leave him. And he promises his presence to us, and he will not leave us. So courage comes from the presence of the Lord in my life. The Lord is with me. The Lord is with you. The Lord was with Joshua. There's three times God tells him um, that he's going to be with him, so have courage. Like, be courageous. Have not I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. And it's the Lord's presence that's, that's going to provide that. Joshua was just, he was he was being obedient as a as, as a hand, like, like as an instrument in God's hands, a tool or as an instrument of war, a weapon, to, but he was fulfilling God's plans and purposes for his people. And his people were Israel and for literally for all of humanity. Joshua's story ties into all of history. Joshua would take his place in the great work of redemption that we know as the gospel because it would be Joshua's people that would overthrow God's people under Joshua that would overthrow the the, the Canaanites and, and take up residence in what is modern-day Israel to this day. And there was a 2,000-year stretch where they lost control of that land. But it's theirs again now. And that's God's people and God's land. So real quick, that's it. Re, re, rewind. Five things. Courage comes from a right fear of the Lord. Courage comes from God's calling and commissioning of Joshua. Courage comes from God's promises. Courage comes from the power of the word of God at work in our lives. Courage comes from God's presence in our lives. 
Hope it's helpful, man. Next week, we're going to dive into four things that Paul says the man of God is to do and be. And, uh, and, and I would just add that that also goes for the woman of God. So let's end with a cool email. This is short. This is a shout out to Justin Carter. Justin, we will be reaching out to you and getting you a slow swag pack, some new gear. We got a new hat in. I think we sold a couple hundred of those things at the men's Be Strong Conference, a sweet-looking multicam hat with the Snowbird logo. We got a new hoodie that I've seen a lot of guys wearing around. I don't have one. I'm not a hoodie guy. I used to be, but most people wear hoodies, and I get it. It's not much more practical you can wear, but I'm just not a hoodie guy because I run hot and I stay hot, and so if I'm inside, I want to take it off. So I, I like to have something I can zip on, zip off, or you know, but. If you're going to be outside on a cool day at a ball game, the new SWO hoodie is where it's at. It's cool. It's got that Carhartt tan, really cool Carhartt color to it. And uh, and then it just got the Snowbird logo across the chest, which anybody can go to the Snowbird Winners Outfitters website and go to the go to the store and buy some cool SWO swag. But we will be sending some swag to Justin Carter, who said this in a um, – in a recent uh, comment or post, I'm not sure. But anyway, he said, I recently listened to your podcast on Jonah, and I just wanted to say it was fantastic. I enjoyed listening to the different thoughts and discussions between Brody, Spencer, and Rob. And what a fascinating dive into the book it was. Please do more of these, and God bless you all for the work you're doing, Darren Andrews. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate you a lot. And uh, if you will hit us up, actually, uh, we'll hit you up. I think we've got your email address. And so Maddie will will be reaching out to you, and we'll get you, get your sizes and get you some, some sweet slow swag, a hat and a shirt, some stickers. All right. Y'all, y'all got to do the whole like and subscribe and share and all that stuff. Y'all got to do that. Help us out. Push it around. We've been getting about 20 people a week um, subscribing, so that's pretty awesome. I'm proud of that and thankful for that. It's it's a hard work, a lot of hard work by that me, our media team. Maddie, who used to be Maddie Valfrey, is now Maddie Christmas. You guys hear me. Y'all hear me talk a lot about Maddie on here. She is a, a, a godsend and makes no sanity required what it is. Harry McSween, who is uh, so innovative and thoughtful and creative and has – um, made this podcast uh, made this podcast a reality. Um, that team is just awesome. I'm really thankful for our team and for the way that they um, come together to help with content ideas. John Reagan plays a part in that. Awesome team, love our team. And uh, but um, yeah, we're growing. The thing's growing, and we've got a lot of ideas about how we're going to expand reach of NSR over the next year. Or so um, it's exciting. So keep supporting us and listening and sharing this stuff with people that you think it might minister to. Um, we'll do another dive into some some principles of biblical manhood next week, uh, more general principles, not just principles on courage. Um, and then we're gonna we've got coming up after that we got some stuff in the next few weeks and months. Um, we'll get into some more cultural and social issues, dive into some of that, and then we'll be doing some sermon. What we did with the Joseph and Jonah stuff where we take sermons we've preached, series we've preached, and we're going to do some behind the scenes or some deeper dive conversations with the teaching staff. So looking forward to that. You guys are awesome. Have an awesome week. Lord bless you. 
Thanks for listening to No Sanity Required. Please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating. It really helps. Visit us at SWOutfitters.com to see all of our programming and resources. And we'll see you next week on No Sanity Required.